0: what
1: Welcome to episode 70 of the Bomber Brothers Podcast, part of the Pinstripe Alley Community of Podcasts. Sean and Ryan back again. Day game after a night game. Yeah. We just uh, just recorded a couple days ago, but we are pushing up the next one because we had a special guest. Jason Benetti joined us to talk about the upcoming Sunday night game between the Yankees and the Red Sox, because let's face it, the Yankees and Red Sox always play on Sunday night. But this time, it's actually... Got a lot of excitement because they are going to be part of the StatCast broadcast, which is going to be on ESPN2 Sunday night. And Jason was nice enough to come on and just talk about what goes into that kind of broadcast, which, Sean, I know me and you both love. I feel like that is the best way I've consumed a baseball game since ever, I would say. I think that was the most fun, watching that wildcard game in, in 2019 and just having... Jason and Eduardo Perez, Mike Petriello, just the way they broke down that game and implemented the advanced stats that me and you both love. It was just super fun, and I'm excited for Sunday night.
2: Yeah, no, it's always enjoyable. They've been doing the wild card game since 2017? Or no, maybe 2018 was the first one I remember.
1: I think it was 2018. Yeah. Because that the, was the year the Yankees wild card game was on TBS, and then yeah. the, they, they were the they other They did one. the Cubs. The yeah. Cubs
2: one. Yeah, I remember. With Terrence, Terrence Gore was in that game. I remember that. Yeah, it's it's always uh, I always enjoy watching it and try to catch it, and I'll definitely be zoned in to that broadcast for the Yankees on Sunday Night Baseball, um, which takes some of the sting off a Sunday Night Baseball game because uh, <laughs> haven't had a lot of those lazy watch the game on Sunday days. Uh, for the Yankees the last few years since they're always on Sunday night. But, um, yeah, I'm excited. And I was looking at his Twitter and Mike Petriello's Twitter, and apparently he's met both Snoop Dogg and Bill Nye, so we are one degree away from interviewing one of those two,
1: which (laughs) would be super exciting. I would love to interview Bill Nye. Yeah,
2: my my (laughs) wife asked me if I'd rather – made the same joke to her. I don't have a lot of good jokes, so I just repeat the same ones. But – I asked my she asked me who would I rather interview. I said Bill Nye. I'd rather get my picture taken with Snoop, but if I could only interview one of them, it would be Bill Nye.
1: Man, that's yeah, that's tough. I mean, Snoop Dogg's obviously super funny. Remember, I remember him doing the play-by-play of uh, what was it, the Kings game, that one year. Well, in N H in N H uh, L
2: twenty or nineteen, the most recent one, he comes in as a guest announcer <laughs> on a video game. So I feel like I've talked to him so much already from playing that game.
1: Right. Well, yeah, we're excited for Sunday night. We'll play that interview with Jason in just a minute. Uh, there's been a little bit of the luster taken away. Obviously, it has nothing to do with the broadcast itself, but now we know that there's going to be no Aaron Judge. We were told he was fine after he was pulled in Tuesday's game and pinch hit four, and now here he is going to the I.L. with what is what Aaron Boone said is a grade one or lower calf strain so he said it's super mild it's day to day he says judge probably would have wanted to play through it but they don't want to take any chances our experience with how the yankees have handled injuries i'm prepared for him to not play again this month
2: (laughs) well i mean it went from he just wanted to get him some time off his feet be proactive little banged up to il um so yeah boone lied right to our faces on, on Tuesday night, which is wonderful. And, um, I mean, we were recording when he came out and something didn't sit right. And I mean, we were hopeful that that's all it was, was rest, but, um, he lied to us.
1: Yeah. Um, After Mike shredder, (laughs) after he, uh, wasn't in the lineup the next day, it's just, it, it just became so predictable for me. This is just how every Yankees injury seems to unfold. It's, you know it's downplayed to incredible amounts. You know, guys like Aaron Hicks and Luis Severino last year, even Giancarlo Stanton. Those were all. You know, oh, he's gonna, he'll be back in a few days. He's day to day, and then we saw those guys for you know, under twenty games last year. And I, you know this, I feel like it it started with Judge's injury in twenty eighteen when he got hit on the wrist, and you know a lot of people are getting on about not being able to stay healthy. The injuries really started in 2018 when he got hit on the wrist which was a freak injury so he's had the oblique strain and, and this and the rib issue which was you know again diving for a ball so it was the day i bought this tv that we're
2: watching the game on that he broke broke his wrist so maybe we should smash it and break the curse
1: <laughs> then i get a bigger tv
2: Uh, yeah, no, it's been a bad stretch since that wrist injury in 2018 for the whole team, and, um, you know, they've done a great job of of finding depth, and, and, you know, obviously last night, uh, um, two nights ago, excuse me, you get Clint Frazier up and as a three-hit game, including a home run, and all the people that have been clamoring for him to get playing time, he took advantage of his opportunity, and I mean, hope he continues to, and then he'll force, force the Yankees' hand in one way or another, but, um... You know, there's a lot worse ways teams could go than having Mike Talkman, Clint Frazier, Mike Ford, um, be your fill-ins for for some of your superstars when they get injured. The Yankees are blessed with incredible depth, but it's always um, it's always a letdown when you're not watching Aaron Judge play or Giancarlo Stanton for that reason too.
1: Yeah, this part of how how exciting it was to have baseball back in the beginning wasn't just the fact that baseball was back. I mean, obviously that was enough to get excited about, but as Yankee fans, we had baseball back along with Judge and Stanton, both playing at an incredibly high level, exactly how we envisioned it to be when the Yankees traded for Stanton after the 2017 season. And then you lose Stanton, and then just a few short days later, now we lose Judge, who were the the two most valuable hitters on the team. You know, now now you have DJ LeMayu taking that spot over as he just happens to have a multi-hit game on any day that ends in y. So, thankfully there's plenty of people to make up for the run production and thankfully the Yankees are playing the Red Sox this weekend who are uh, prone to giving up a run or two as we've seen so far this year in the Tampa series that just passed and the last time the Red Sox came to the Bronx, so it should be okay to cover this up for at least a little bit, but again, for me, it's just panic that you know I've heard this song before where it's not serious and it's just gonna be a couple days and then all of a sudden it's a couple weeks and we're still asking where's Aaron Judge?
2: Yeah, I mean, you I don't know. It seemed like maybe he didn't want to come out. he seemed like in good spirits. So I would assume when he left the game he wasn't feeling anything overly painful just because, the, like, from his body language. So hopefully it is just something. I mean, Boone said he wanted to play through it. I don't trust Boone now <laughs> to tell me anything. But, um, you know, we'll have to wait and see if Aaron, Aaron Judge says, yeah, I wanted to play through this. I really, you know, I'm just taking their advice. But if it was up to me alone, I would play. Then I'd feel a little bit better. So, I, I mean, we'll see. You know, one guy, we were talking about all these injuries, that uh was injured last year and has really bounced back has been you know luke Voit has just been murdering the ball um and showing i mean and we were saying it up up except for that in, up until that injury i mean he might be the steel biggest yankee steel in the trade since babe ruth
1: oh yeah well you know giovanni gallego's turned into a valuable reliever for the cardinals so yeah but still you know you take uh you take a position player with that kind of value any day over over a reliever, especially with the arms the Yankees have in the bullpen. But you're right. Up until the London game when Voigt got hurt, he was one of the most valuable hitters on the Yankees and pretty much replicating his stats from down the stretch in 2018. And look at him now, again, mashing home runs. And that's been huge for the Yankees. Gio Urshela has replicated his production from 2019. He's moved up what he's been fourth or something tonight
2: yeah yeah he's up ahead of Torres tonight
1: so the Yankees have all these guys that filled in for injured Yankees last year who now seem like they might be here to stay so who knows maybe you get Clint Frazier continuing what he did on Wednesday night we know he can hit hopefully he can show some improvements in the field but at least you know the Yankees do have some pieces to kind of weather this storm. Like you mentioned Talkman as well. Hopefully Brett Gardner can can get it going a little bit. So if there is uh, any team equipped for this kind of loss, it's the Yankees. They have some of the most depth in the league. I'd say them and the Dodgers. So the Yankees should be fine but it still sucks because we want to watch Aaron Judge when we turn on a Yankee game speaking of Dodgers I don't know who gave up that bets guy but he's pretty <laughs> good uh, I don't know who would just dump
2: him for salary relief but he had three home runs last night pretty good yeah um but yeah and, and I mean we think about it the Yankees are, are winning games and and losing stars but two of their stars haven't even gotten going yet and and Sanchez
1: and Sanchez the last couple nights looks like maybe he's starting to slowly work yeah, his way. Yeah, he saw him hit a home it. run on what was that, Wednesday.
2: Yeah, and and, and Tuesday he did have uh some good at bats. He fouled off a lot of pitches. You could tell he was still fighting it, but he was starting to see the ball a little bit better. Um wasn't as jumpy. So
1: we'll see. Yeah, so other than that, I think uh we can go ahead and get to the interview with uh, Jason, if you've got nothing else. i got nothing to say. <laughs> All right, well, coming up on Sunday night, the Yankees will be on ESPN as they are almost every Sunday night, like we said. But now an exciting uh, addition. They'll also be on ESPN, too, for the StatCast broadcast. Jason Benetti does the play-by-play of that broadcast, which is just an amazing one. And I think the feedback from the their broadcasts last year kind of reflect that. They were... The top-ranked broadcast booth by awful announcing, which does you know their announcer booth rankings at the end of each postseason, and I think they would, I think I would say they were pretty firmly up at the top after uh, the last postseason. So here is Jason Benetti to talk about the StatCast broadcast coming up on Sunday night. Okay, welcome back, everybody. We're joined now by a special guest. You can hear him on the White Sox broadcast, and you can also hear him coming up Sunday night on ESPN2. He will be doing the Yankees-Red Sox game as part of the Stackcast broadcast, which was such a big hit for the playoffs last year. Jason, thanks so much for coming on and talking with us about the upcoming game on Sunday night. Glad to do it. So I guess my first question would be, you have Yankees-Red Sox, which are obviously – the Sunday night duo for so many Sunday nights of, of of the baseball season but this will be the first time we have them as part of the Statcast broadcast and do the Yankees in your mind add anything to a Statcast broadcast because they're you know kind of like Statcast darlings in a way I know John Carlos stands her right now but when you talk about hard hit percentage and exit velo his numbers are always at the top Aaron Judge as well Garrett Cole, if you're talking about spin rate and fastball velocity. So do you feel like a team like the Yankees can kind of enhance a broadcast of this nature just because they do all of these things so well that make these advanced numbers really pop?
3: I have have two answers to that. Number one, uh, my favorite thing about StatCast is that it can illuminate stuff about every team. And then my second answer is yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, the the fact that the Yankees hit the ball as hard as they do and pull the ball as much as they do and hit the ball out of the ballpark as much as they do and win games because of it and the fact that they are a triumph in moving forward using individual players' skill sets to develop techniques to be ahead of the physics curve in baseball and all that comes along with it, like... Absolutely, there's more there simply because of how much the Yankees seem to embrace it. Um, but also, it's it's always fun to watch somebody like Aaron Judge hit, even if you're not well acquainted to the Statcast idea and and what we do in our show. But like, I I love unearthing things about players who are great as we're doing this. And like, one of the things I was looking up was Aaron Judge and where his. Barrels and his home runs come from, and as of yesterday, and we're we're taping this on Friday. Uh, as of yesterday, he has zero homers this year that are middle middle, and you would think that Aaron Judge, like he praise on bad pitches and all that. He's homering out of the zone where people do so much damage in Major League Baseball. And that's the type of thing I love being able to look at with the Yankees and Aaron Judge specifically because he's such a well-known quantity. Trying to find things about him that are different is is a really enjoyable experience.
1: And, and we also see his impact on the defensive side as well with his incredible arm strength, strength which is obviously quantifiable now with uh, more advanced data and his route efficiencies to a ball in right field. So, Coupling that with, like you just mentioned, his seemingly superhuman power, where do you think Aaron Judge ranks for you and just the most exciting players to watch in the league right now, especially when he's doing what he's doing right now, which is putting up 2017-like numbers when he was a rookie?
3: Yeah, I mean, in terms of most exciting, he's... I, I don't I don't love ranking stuff like I'd leave that to websites you know what I mean like I I just know that the my favorite part of Aaron Judge is that he with his stature he looks like he would probably be like a plodding guy who doesn't give you as much as he gives you in the outfield but uh outs above average last year he was plus eight and then moving back he was really good Uh, compared to what you would think about his size. But I love the gentle, giant nature of him, too. Like, I love that he, for his Major League debut, like, drove in the car with his parents. So, for me, yeah, he's super exciting, and he's one of the top ten players to watch and all of that. But I also love that he's this big dude who's got seemingly a really, really good heart, who also gives you more than you'd expect out of the package You, you see in terms of just, like, looking like this giant guy and he's actually very athletic
0: and jason i know uh ryan and i are really looking forward to the the Statcast broadcast on sunday night um, enjoy it every time it's on for the playoffs and, and and more times than that but there are a group of people that do resist a lot of like findings that are presented by data not just in baseball um, why do you think that is such is so ingrained in so many people? Because I mean, you just told us something about Aaron Judge about his home runs aren't on pitches that are down the middle. That's super interesting to me. It's like pitchers aren't just throwing in meatballs. He's actually hitting sometimes pitchers' pitches. Why do you think some people don't embrace this new information?
3: Um, I think that it's sometimes the fault of the people communicating the information. Like I think I think what our telecasts. Well, two things. I don't want to put the blame on everybody who's communicating because it's not bad. Like there are some people who really just don't like being told by computers what their life's going to be. Like they're they're resisting the robot intervention in our lives across the board. Like I, you know, there there are some people who didn't like going to drive-throughs for a long time because it was weird talking to a speaker. So I get it. Like that's that's very ingrained in people, and I think it's the fear that they're going to lose control of their lives, whatever amount they have. I, that that's a thing in a lot of pockets of this country. And I don't begrudge people for it because that's how they grew up. Like that's, that's true. But I also, as I, as I wrote, they uh, somehow they ran out of people to write the foreword for the VP for the book this year. And so I wrote the foreword for it uh, because they went down the list and like, I don't know, Santa Claus said no too. But I, I, as I, as I wrote in that it's, it's our job to convey the information in a way that's usable. Because I, I shudder when I see exit velocity and launch angle up until this year. You'd get that on a regional broadcast, and it would have no context, And it wouldn't say against major league average, and it wouldn't say top 5% in the league. What, what I think our broadcast does really well, and I'm going to not pat myself on the back here, but pat Mike Petriello on the back specifically, is that Mike, our StatCast guy, if you haven't watched the telecasts, Mike is so good at not coming off as your company's IT guy. He doesn't like to tell you, like, oh, have you restarted the computer yet? Or, oh, did you get the blue screen of death? Like, he doesn't talk down to people in that way when he's doing the telecasts. And so I think it's our job to make sure that people know how they can use the information. Like, when people say there are too many stats in a telecast, I would say to them, we're not actually adding stats. We're just replacing stats with things that we think are more meaningful than batting average home runs at RBIs. I would say that we, and I have not done the empirical research on this, I would say that we put a very similar amount of numbers on the screen as a regular broadcast. We just like to do it um, more surgically and make sure that what we're saying has a reason for us saying it. So I I do think that people are resistant in part because they want to have stories. And one of the first things I asked when we did the first StatCast telecast was, should, should I not tell stories? And and the word from everybody at ESPN was, no, 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 no. Like, you need to call the game like somebody who's a play-by-play announcer who is telling stories of these players, but we're just going to use different stats. And so I think the success that we've had, whatever it has been, and, and we've, we've felt really lucky that people have latched on as they have, um, the success comes from our enjoyment of the game. And I think it's kind of like when you put like peas into a kid's food and you say like, ah, you're going to eat your vegetables, but you won't even know they're there. Like that's kind of what we're trying to convey.
0: That, that makes a lot of sense. And you guys do, you know, a, a great job of that. And I think you find a really nice sweet spot between create, making accessibility for people who maybe aren't as familiar with the, the, the stat cast data and also Towing that line, but making, still making it interesting for people who do you know, set their daily fantasy lineups maybe based on something more than batting average and, and RBIs. How do you toe that line of sort of making it accessible to those that aren't familiar, but also at the same time keeping it fresh and interesting for those that haven't embraced this data? Yeah, I mean,
3: the, the game is happening. What we, what we all want to do is when we say something, have it mean- that the viewers watching the game in a slightly different way. We, we put up this video yesterday of, of a couple minutes worth of our 2019 All Star game, and we showed Mark Canna's Woba against fastballs. And in that at bat, when we showed Mark Hanna's Woba against fastballs, which was terribly high, the race threw him five straight sliders. That's data to a narrative. Like, that's data to show you what you're going to see in the game. So we're not just putting up win probability because it looks cool. We're putting things on the screen that we believe will tell you a story of how the dance on the field is going to play out. And I think that's where credibility comes from, is like, hey, we believe that we understand how this game might progress based on tendencies of these players. Now, they can break those tendencies. That's absolutely true, and it's terribly interesting when they do. But coaches and managers go on this information, and our goal is to bring your eyes to something in the game that your eyes wouldn't have been at before. I mean, it's, it's without StatCast data what the Sunday Night Football crew does so well with Chris Hollinsworth. I mean, quite often on a replay, he's not showing you what happened in that one play. He's showing you what to watch for in this matchup all night long and how that matchup's going to progress. And that's what we try to do, but we do it via data rather than uh, through the visual aid of an instant replay most of the time. And with your broadcast, you get a lot of
0: the data that that a normal broadcast doesn't usually cover. Um, Do you have a favorite moment during one of the StatCast broadcasts of, wow, holy smokes, I can't believe the player just did this, whether it be how hard they hit a baseball or the ground they covered or the root efficiencies, there, there are moments
3: that sticks out to you. Like, wow, I just saw something pretty physics defying right there. Yeah, it was, it was, um, maybe, maybe it's not like the wow moment of I can't believe he did this, but like, wow, thank you for doing this because it absolutely backed up some hard work for our crew in 2018, when we added the pie pieces for directional outs above average, that sort of looked like they were hovering on Trivial Pursuit game pieces. Uh, we had shown Charlie Blackman and his ability to go into the right-center field gap, so to his left, and we had just shown that, and it was some digging that Petriello had done and some building that our production team led by Andy Jacobson, who never gets credit but deserves all the credit in the world for putting this thing together as he does, and... Uh, When we showed that, it was like a couple pitches later, Charlie Blackman basically went to that spot and got a great jump on a ball and made a catch in the alley against the Cubs. It was a pivotal play, I would say, about midway, early midway through the game. And it was one of those moments that I was like, man, I love being with this crew because we saw this thing coming, and who knew that it was going to come in two pitches or five pitches, whatever it was but that's what research does for you. I mean it's just it's preparation and it's it's our crew being ready for things that that you wouldn't necessarily see coming.
1: And Jason, this broadcast format is obviously a fairly new endeavor because Statcast itself is fairly new. The yeah. era only dates back to about 2015, so a lot of baseball fans this is something that fans either you know adopted and embraced or just chose to cast aside so how, for you when did you find yourself getting really into these advanced stats and realizing that it can enhance your way of of watching a baseball game and, and analyzing talent level
3: yeah the the answer is when players started to use it i mean you could walk around any major league clubhouse and they're talking about like rap sodos and whatever like they're talking about this data. They're talking about their own spin rate and pitch design, and Trevor Bauer has smartly trumpeted that in so many ways, and Kyle Bodie getting hired by the Reds, going along with that. There are so many players talking about this. This is not foreign anymore. Like, this is very much a part of the game and a uh, part of designing pitches, and like Adam Ottavino's story in MVP Machine about renting out a store or taking over a storefront in New York and redesigning himself this is what players use and so it's 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 hard not to buy in when you know players are marshalling this to make themselves better and for somebody uh, my my bent has always been do a game better tomorrow than you did yesterday that's what i was taught at a very early age it completely dovetails with my thinking on how i go about my own life and so anybody who's into self-improvement and the understanding that comes along with that, I really think StatCast shouldn't be fear-inducing. It should be a whole world of entrepreneurship, of your ability to make yourself better by just having technology help you through that. I think it it cuts a lot deeper than the way we show a game, and I think it's simply the way players develop themselves now.
1: And it's not just the players that have You know, embrace this new wave of information. We've seen a lot of old school players that are in the booth now adapt this uh, new way of understanding the game for Yankee fans. We have David Cohn, who was, you know, an old school pitcher who now really dives into FanGraph's data and uses it in the broadcast. Is that something you want to see more with regional broadcasts when it comes to baseball? Is that more of this stuff that we are going to see come Sunday night? be used more often when broadcasting games, not just on a national TV level? Well,
3: so what I would say is I love when analysts use it, but they don't necessarily have to say it, the data, to get the point across. So if I were to say on the telecast on Sunday, hey, here is a list of the home runs like the quadrants where Aaron Judges hit home runs, that would be one thing, but I can also just make the assertion that he hasn't hit a home run on a ball middle of the plate yet. And that that doesn't sound like data. Like, I think it's partially our job to make sure that we don't make data sound like something daunting, and that's, that's part of the, the discourse here, like the making sure everybody understands data can be used simply to tell you, hey, this guy coming up is a, is a substantial opposite field hitter. I'll say that in White Sox telecast, and nobody knows that I got it from baseball savants, but I look at the numbers and I make some notes to myself about what they do and what their tendencies are. So data can just be a guide to make sure that your eyes are seeing truly what, what the whole league is seeing. When you're a regional announcer, you see a team for three days and then they move on. And so... You can watch all the tape you want, but the numbers will give you a clearer picture of the overall uh, person's profile. So I think using the numbers to make assertions doesn't necessarily have to come with the numbers themselves. But I will say, uh, one of the great moments for me personally in doing this StatCast stuff, when we were playing the Yankees last year, I went into the booth next door and was talking to Michael and David, and David afterward came up to me and was like, hey, I just want to let you know, like, I really enjoy the Statcast shows. And I was like, dude, you are David Cohn. <laughs> I am me, but you are David Cohn. And to wa- I love watching their shows because David does such a marvelous job of making it informative but accessible. And he also doesn't discard all of his experience. Like, just because you were coached a certain way doesn't mean it was wrong, for then, like it was right for them and what you do in the future is you try to gather even more information and figure out how you can make your teaching and
1: coaching better and I, I just think he does a masterful job at that and you guys do a masterful job of that as well, you, Eduardo, and Mike, and everyone can catch them uh, in the booth on ESPN2 Sunday night for Yankees-Red Sox for the Stackcast broadcast, and again in two weeks for Braves-Phillies, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, Jason, thanks again so much for your time and really looking forward to hearing you on the call Sunday night.
3: I look forward to it as well. Uh, we love being around each other, and thank you guys for having me and cool picture of Jay Billis from the match Turner. <laughs>
1: okay thank you so much to jason benetti for joining us and again everyone make sure to tune into espn2 on sunday night and again two weeks from this sunday night when the braves play the phillies that'll be another fun broadcast especially when you got guys like ronald acuna jr and bryce harper our old friend dd will uh they'll all be involved in that game so that'll be another cool game to see through the lens of this advanced data and Sean, I think we can both say once these uh, StatCast broadcasts start, it was kind of like our dream come true because these are the stats that we'd nerd out on when we're looking through fan graphs and baseball savant, and now we actually get to see those implemented into a, into a baseball broadcast while we're just watching TV. And they picked three perfect guys to do it.
2: Yeah, no, it's it's a great booth. And, I, you know, he was telling a story about how they... They, for Charlie Blackman, they put that he always, like, you know, they need to cover the ball here or whatever, and then he the ball goes right there. And, and that's, like, the stuff that makes it cool, right? It's like, wow, like, all this data helps predict that. But then it also makes it interesting if you know a guy is pretty much set up to fail. Like, if a certain pitcher has a certain hitter's, um, you know, a certain hitter's in a bad slump or something like that, and you know all the advanced metrics are saying this guy is toast in this at bat, and then he gets a hit. Or, you know, a guy goes against the shift or something like that. Then it's, like, interesting. It's like, oh, wow, like, the odds of that happening were small. So then it makes you feel, like, even a little bit more excited about either way how it works. I I always find that to be interesting. Um, But, yeah, I mean, look, um, there's a lot of theories about baseball and stuff like that. But, um, you know, the the way the game has has evolved mathematically is really exciting because it allows people to understand the game Uh, at a different level and it also allows people to get involved in the game that you know normally otherwise wouldn't because i mean i'm no freaking athlete but you know me being able to to do statistics and things like that that i could do so it you know it it keeps me interested from it from a different angle for sure and you're seeing that with gms and managers that have never never played the game before and uh, it makes it really interesting
1: yeah, what I, what I love so much about it is we grew up hearing all these terms like, oh, this guy's fastball has a lot of ride to it, or the ball really jumps off this guy's bat, or this pitcher's really pounding the upper half of the zone. Like, all of these old expressions are now quantifiable, okay? It jumped off his bat, well, how much so? And then you can actually get those numbers and see just how much compared to the rest of the league. Pitcher has a lot of ride on his fastball, all right, let's look at his, his spin rate and see, like, if that really is the case. It's cool to get closer more accurate representations of just how talented players are and, and what their tendencies are and like we talked about with jason i think that broadcast booth kind of has a perfect harmony between that and you know still having the classic feel of of a baseball broadcast they have someone in mike petriello who uh works for mlb.com and writes a bunch of great stuff there but he's so good at delivering all this data and and eduardo perez has really embraced the uh new wave of of data and and they're they're just a a seamless booth that i'm really looking forward to hearing on sunday night
2: and they do a great job of of, as jason said doing storytelling with the data and that's such a such a challenge now is is taking all this information and using it to to tell a story and they they do a great job of it and that's a problem in sports and business apparently in understanding the dangers of of a virus um but uh Yeah, they do a great job. Maybe we need the three of them to explain why people need to wear masks, <laughs> um, and things might get better. But we'll see. Yeah, we should. Sure, I, I, we ran out of time. We were going to ask that.
1: Yeah, exactly. It would, it would help. If maybe just like the president said that, but that's, I guess, another discussion for another day. Anyway, what are what are you looking forward to this week besides getting uh, here, Jason, on the call on Sunday night? Oh god, nothing. I don't know. I feel I feel like I put so this is the the hardest part of the whole
2: podcast is coming especially up, especially lately. Yeah. yeah
1: I I need pumped. it though. It keeps me grateful cuz I it makes me have to think of something I'm looking forward to, not just yeah. being quarantined in the house.
2: Um uh all right. I'll I'll just say I'm looking forward to the Yankees playing the Red Sox. I said that last episode. I'm going to take it this episode too cuz <laughs> we recorded so fast. So Yeah. Derek Cole's going to start pitching in about 5 minutes. So um I'm going to take watch Garrett Cole and then watch the Yankees just beat the hell out of this terrible Boston team, hopefully. Three out of four or a sweep. Anything else is unacceptable, even with Judge and Stanton
1: out. I'm really looking forward to just kind of like uh, moving away from baseball for a second. I'm really looking forward to the NBA and NHL playoffs. Aren't you going on vacation? Well, yeah, that too. (laughs) Yes, I'm going to be hanging out on a lake for a week and just playing a bunch of lawn games and bringing my fire stick so i can still watch the yankees fire (laughs) so I'll, i'll have that but yeah no i'm looking forward to just quarantining somewhere else besides my own house where i'll be with some some family and have a bunch of stuff to do and uh yeah get a little zen in my life
2: moment of zen there you go
1: all right well uh I guess that'll do it for us. As Michael K and David Kona just popped up on our TV, so it's about time for the game to start. So let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, looks like they're both ready. So time for time for some baseball. We'll talk to everyone next time. Thanks again to Jason Benetti, and enjoy the series and the Statcast broadcast on Sunday night. See you later, everybody. Let's go Yankees.